0: Hit it Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can This is Pod Me If You Can Movie reviews by David and Lloyd An Australian podcast on your favourite movies Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com
1: Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is the Edgar Wright 2017 film Baby Driver, which he left Ant-Man to do and had been a passion project of his since 1994. So we've seen the film, we'll be discussing it with spoilers, so you've been warned, spoiler warning. Uh, Lloyd, what did you make of Baby Driver? Did you go in with a big crowd?
0: Uh, No, I saw this very late in its run, so I I didn't have too many people in my audience. What about yourself?
1: Yeah, pretty good crowd. Um, 160, 175 odd people. Pleasantly surprised to find that uh, Edgar Wright had pre-recorded something that played before the movie. I'm guessing you didn't
0: have that? I didn't have that at all.
1: So uh, the Sun Theatre in Melbourne is where I saw it, and... uh, He did a very specific, like, hey, thanks very much for coming out. This is my impersonation of him. Thanks very much for coming out to the Sun Theatre. Do not bill me for your speeding tickets after the film Drive Safely. You know, did a bit of that, uh, joking that we'd all be revving our cars, like how we always talk about Fast and the Furious when we saw it. (laughs) People revving their cars in the um, car park afterwards. He basically anticipated that. And I was like, thanks very much, really appreciate it, and blah, 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 and, you know. Like sixty seconds tops, but did he do personal... his laugh
0: uh, any any time during the introduction? No, he didn't. I'll have a go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, it's great. I've never heard him do it, but um... uh, I
0: listened to the um, audio commentary on *Short um, uh, Hot Fuzz* with um, Quentin Tarantino. Yep. And they they just talk enthusiastically about really bad crime movies, and I just happen to hear his British accent and his laugh. It's just absolutely contagious.
1: Now I should say we're obviously poking some fun here at Edgar Wright, but we probably <laughs> think he's fantastic. And I'm glad you brought up Quentin Tarantino because this film, it really feels like maybe he's had some help with the playlist, hasn't he? Yeah, that's right. Um, musically, Tarantino did it for Reservoir Dogs, and you know he's famously picking the perfect songs you know, the whistling scene Daryl Hannah does in Kill Bill, just these memorable moments scored uh, to the perfect song. And basically Baby Driver has, you know, that added bonus that you'll want to get the soundtrack right away.
0: Did you download it right away?
1: I didn't download it right away, no. (laughs) I do have a plan to get it, but um, no, I haven't yet. It's all still living in my memory. And um, I didn't know a heap of the songs beforehand, but I'm quite pleasantly humming them along now, you know.
0: <laughs> it's staying with you.
1: It is, yeah. And um, from the trailer, I'll just say uh, plot point wise, I was very sure that when I saw the trailer for this, that the first score baby was involved with would be John Hamm and his crew, and then I was thinking the second crew, when all the trouble happens, would be Jamie Foxx's crew. And it was a pleasant surprise that it was a mix of the two because I thought John Hamm would have nothing in this film, like that he would be such a bit part and that Jamie Foxx would be kind of the real villain. And the longer John Hamm was on screen, the more I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, he was fantastic.
1: As Buddy, yeah. I was a little disappointed. I'll jump straight into it. The way sort of Kevin Spacey's character, Doc, gets killed... And the way he sort of flippantly helps them.
0: What what about the waitress just all of a sudden making those decisions to go, yeah, screw it, I'll I'll do whatever the hell you're doing? You know, and it's like the most dangerous environments and engagements ever.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, It's the kind of, we'll do anything for love situation she's in, you know, young, impulsive, dumb. I, I went with that much more. But for me, Kevin Spacey's character was so clinical and he knew everything about everybody, but he was a mystery. And the fact that he would put himself in any danger at any point, I felt like he should be one step ahead of everything. Um, and he sort of went went out like a bit of a punk. I would have rather maybe he disappeared into the shadows at the end. But, um, you know, that's, with a, that's not With a possible
0: film. sequel down the road.
1: <laughs> well, you mentioned that, but they're in talks. They're in talks for a sequel. Um, obviously, he gets out of prison some years later, five year parole at the end of this film. and. Walks into the waitress's arms, Deborah. And, yeah, well,
0: and... I just don't believe that because Edgar Wright, he doesn't like to do sequels. They really wanted a hot fuzz sequel. Um, they so badly wanted one, and he was almost going to do a spin off on two of the characters in the movie, but he decided not to. I, I don't think he just doesn't strike me as a person to go back on the worlds that he's created, maybe uh, as a producer and then get somebody else to helm it, but um, I don't know. Like That would be very interesting for him to to do a sequel on Baby Driver.
1: Yeah, I, I, I as well don't foresee a sequel.
0: And the film's been with him for like 10 years as well. He's had this idea um, uh, inside his head, and obviously he got sidetracked heavily with the Ant-Man debacle, um, and Baby Driver is uh, uh, definitely a passion project.
1: Well, one thing that they've done really well in this i mean i feel like maybe a sequel could be uh like a graphic novel or something you know
0: similar to what they did with fight club yeah down
1: the track i mean i'm not sure what the story would be
0: you'd lose that musical quality because the music is such a strong component of baby driver obviously in a graphic novel you'd just be like you know you'd just see uh, musical notes and the song playing and you're just like okay i'll have to imagine what this song is (laughs) or unless
1: it came with a cd or something well he'd be Um, deaf
0: though in the sequel wouldn't he I'm assuming he's still affected by that gunshot that was fired close to his ear.
1: Unless it's slowly coming back at the end, but um, yeah. No, you're probably right. I think the music here was pretty on point. I think everything really revolved around the music, and you might have seen already uh, the fact that they timed certain actions to beats of the song, that they timed the editing to the beats of the song, Like, uh, the whole opening sequence, which is available on YouTube, you can watch the first six minutes of this film if you haven't seen it. They're opening boots of the car, closing door, looking at each other on the beats of the song. Did you find that annoying or did you find that kind of perfect?
0: Well, I was shocked to see overall how positive film critics are to Baby Drive. It's got like 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. I thought this would be the film that would have polarised audiences because as many film critics do point out, the beginning of the film... Is like La La Land, and then it becomes a very ultra violent, like you said, Tarantino film. And I just didn't expect that combination to sit well with many audiences. Um, for me, I actually really enjoyed this movie a lot, and that whole beginning, uh, it's a bit too much tongue in cheek at the audience and, and things like that. For me, the only issues came during the climactic moment when um, it was just too many things going on there, and that, you know, John Hamm constantly just. Not dying sort of thing and I think the the um, choreography in that final action scene was just a bit too long you know and uh, it, it, I just want to say it's great to see Edgar Wright calm down a lot and not do, go too crazy with that rapid editing style he showed so enthusiastically in Shaun of the Dead and of course in Hot Fuzz, annoyingly in Hot Fuzz, which I want to get into um, because I find that stuff really distracting. But I think uh, Baby Driver and um, some of World's End, the film he did before this, showed a great deal of maturity. That uh,
1: ending sequence you mentioned with John Hamm, I did kind of... I found you had to go with it. There were bits where a Baby would drive a car into him and then he would be stunned and he would go get in another car and drive another car into him sort of thing. And there was just sort of a lot you had to be like, oh, okay, you know, at some point he dropped off Deborah the waitress and she was there as bait and then he was waiting to the side. There's a few things kind of... I probably need a second viewing of it.
0: Well, it's, uh, you say um, you had to go with it. Um, it sounds like the only part you didn't go with was when Kevin Spacey gets shot.
1: Yeah, well, that was, I guess, a major point for me because I, I did feel like his character was supposed to be smarter than that. Yeah. That he would have separated himself from... Um, any danger and like just be across everything you know uh he seemed like such a big figure in in all of this and he would have had backup plans upon backup plans and i just think at the end he's like no i can see you're in love i'll help you yeah (laughs) and it kind of oh it's just a
0: shotgun to my back i'll be fine (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. and i guess I, i watched all of the recent house of cards and um I'm still seeing Kevin Spacey as, like, a powerful presidential type, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like that tracking shot when he goes to get the coffee uh, at the beginning of the film?
0: Yeah, as I said, like La La Land. Did did it annoy you at all? Because I've heard many film critics found it too tongue-in-cheek, that that whole beginning part. How did you find it?
1: I really liked it. I mean, from the moment he's sitting in the um, heist at the beginning of the film and everybody goes into the bank, and then he starts singing and dancing and, like enjoying the music and turning on the windscreen wipers. At that point, it tells you what kind of film it is. It's saying it is going to be a lot of fun and tongue-in-cheek and, like, sets up the tone really well, I think.
0: And then takes a left turn when Jamie Foxx's character comes into it and it just becomes so violent. (laughs) His whole
1: tequila sequence where he's killing all the cops and stuff, out of nowhere. But as well, this film made me jump a few times. Like, when they... He drives into the posts to kill Jamie Foxx's bats. Yeah, that was
0: fantastic.
1: Yeah, you don't see that coming. At the end, though, my heart was beating really fast. Like, I really enjoyed the film, but the whole sequence with Buddy, and I knew he was going to not be dead so many times, but the whole thing, it just made my heart beat so fast. Like, I had this really visceral response to it It, all.
0: It it was fantastic. Uh, Really great um, choreography and, and, and an action set piece. Just... Edgar Wright is so obsessive with chase sequences and he always cites, well, always, I only listen to one audio commentary and that's Hot Fuzz, but he says he loves chase sequences where it's in the backyard, where it goes through a neighbourhood, and he always references Point Break as the greatest um, chase sequence he's ever seen and he always has to have it in his movies, particularly the Cornetto trilogy where um, Simon Pegg's hopping over a fence. Yep. And he's really got that technique, that strategy down and it really comes to the um, to the forefront here, in particularly with with the bungled climactic, uh, I guess you can't say bank robbery, post office robbery, um, <laughs> where where it he's not only running from the, away from the cops and from the robbers, but he's um, a- also on foot and in the car and and everything like that. And I love it how the, his greatest weapon is taken away from him, which is the vehicle that's gone, you know, yeah. and he has to run on foot. And it's that's when your heart, I guess, started racing. It was like, wow, what is he going to do? You know? It was just such a left turn for him to just crash that car into that truck and for Jamie Foxx to be impaled by that uh whatever was behind that truck. I love that um almost Viking funeral that um Elsa Gonzalez, the really sexy Latina girl, goes down with uh, uh, John Hamm. That, that was awesome. Something reminded me of Heat so much. But I, and it was also funny, the fact that they were still alive and out of all the cars they crash into Baby's car or Baby crashes into them. That was fantastic. You go with it because the comedy and um tempo was just at that right point. Yeah, I
1: kept thinking he should take off his sunglasses, though, when they broke. Because <laughs> it just looked so stupid for one broken lens. And it would have taken half a second for him to do it. And it just annoyed me because I just kept thinking, just lose the glasses, they're broken now. I did keep thinking too, he keeps stealing really amazing cars. All the cars they use are these cool, modern, really chaseable cars. It would be funny if he took a car that was a bit of a piece of shit. You know, like an old VW or a van or something.
0: Maybe he had the eye for it. He knew which ones were good. Uh, That thing with the glasses, the the idea of that, and this um, relates to the iPods, Uh, It it is a very deliberate choice by Edgar Wright, is that all the sunglasses he has and all the iPods he has in the film are from the cars he's stolen. And so that's why, you know, one iPod is um, uh, decorated in a particular way. It's obviously a very feminine style decoration. And all the songs on that iPod are all um, very feminine songs. And that plays... That relates to when he of course, he meets the waitress for the first time and he plays those those sort of songs sort of play, and uh, I guess all the sunglasses are a representation of all the cars he's stolen a very particular choice, and I also like um that idea that it's almost like a very analog type of technology that's present throughout this whole film. They use burner mobile phones rather than smartphones and I guess that's a technique, a strategy that all criminals have so those phones don't have GPS so the cops can't identify them. I think that's just a standard practice that criminals do but particularly when he makes the music and yeah. he uses like all kind of MIDI equipment and he tapes them to um, to cassette um, that was a very particular choice. And I like that. I really like that style.
1: And the whole was he slow, you know, remixing them and everything, how he quickly records her when she's singing a song in the, in the uh, cafe or restaurant that she works in. Yeah, it was all there was a lot of detail to the world. The way he hid his, his money in the floorboards. Yeah, the, the detail on the iPods, like you say, that he's stolen from vehicles. Yeah, the world felt very complete. All of his flashbacks, how his mother was a singer, how music was a a big part of his life, and how how he got uh, tinnitus in his ears. Uh, and is it
0: tinnitus or is it tinius? tinnitus? Yeah, I don't know. You must no, right. no yours your sounds right. I, oh, I don't know. Well, Whatever. How his ears were.
1: <laughs> how his ears were affected, and um, you know he listens to music, which links to his mum and he has that CD or the cassette, sorry, of his mum and uh, you know how it all ties together. Um, His mum might have been a waitress.
0: Wasn't that beautiful after his ear gets damaged and he can't hear the song that's playing in the tape and he puts his hand on the speaker and then he can hear a voice? That was beautiful.
1: And uh, the same, obviously, the same thing for um, his guardian, Joseph, who's deaf in real life. You know, that's a detail that touching the speaker and stuff is, uh, you know, it's very sweet and very uh, real characteristic, no doubt.
0: I hate it when you quote... Uh, monsters, Monster Inc. To me, it's one of my kid's favorite movies.
1: <laughs> that was great. You know, I didn't initially pick that was happening, except for the Fight Club quote. That how's that working out for you? That he says on the plane.
0: Was that from um, Fight Club? Was it?
1: Yeah. How's that <laughs> working out for you? And and he's like, keep it up, then or whatever. Uh, Tyler Durden says. But I did pick that that was happening during the film, like um his quick channel changes and how the subtitles and whatever are on. I did get to that but then I thought I'd see this more on second viewing you know and it does encourage a second viewing yeah. I think yeah. which um might go towards why the box office has been so successful Lloyd have you checked it out
0: <laughs> yeah it's been it's done absolute gangbusters
1: which must be why they're talking sequel they probably won't get one but it's his most successful film now
0: I really want to like um Edgar Wright but I've been let down too many times by him post Shaun of the Dead I don't know if you feel the same way because I really like Shaun of the Dead but after that to be honest I haven't been a fan of his films at all like Hot Fuzz to me was a spoof buddy cop movie very similar to national lampoons and loaded weapon one and hot shots naked gun whatever but hot fuzz is two hours you get the joke five minutes into the movie and then it just stretches on and on i must be the only person in the world who doesn't like hot fuzz because the reactions i get from people when i say i don't like hot fuzz is like i said something bad about their mother I, I don't get it. I've seen many movies like Hot Fuzz and they were all straight to the point and, and they don't go for an exhausting two hours. And annoyingly, all throughout Hot Fuzz, Edgar, Edgar Wright has that really rapid editing flash style, those close-ups. And, you, you know, people love it, but I find it very distracting. Um, he's obviously an extraordinarily talented filmmaker that layers his images. with. There's so many things going on with, it, with all his images and all his scenes, but... I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm just the guy who's who really believes good filmmaking is one you don't notice. And if you notice it too many times, it takes you out of the movie. With, with Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, um, I think that should have been one of the great video game action movies. Um, like with Edgar Wright's style was really incredible in that movie. But I just didn't like any of the characters. I don't know how you felt about Scott Pilgrim, but it's gone down as one of the great cult movies.
1: Well, I'll start with Shaun of the Dead. I really enjoyed it. It did take me a while to see it, just because, I don't know, I I didn't see it in cinemas. I saw it on DVD or video. But um, when I got to Shaun of the Dead, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I really liked the cast. I liked the interactions. And Hot Fuzz felt like they wanted to do, like, a sequel, but (laughs) they also didn't want to do another zombie movie. And so Hot Fuzz felt like the answer to that, that you got almost exactly the same sort of dynamics and uh characters brought back, the leading two guys, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, but uh they get to be cops in this one and they get to kind of have a big shootout and it's probably a lot of fun for them. Probably part of the reason they got to come back. For me, the weakest in the Cornetto trilogy is the World's End. I've seen each film a couple of times and um I don't know, I feel like maybe they got weaker as they went along, but the World's End to me just kind of the whole alien thing and, and definitely the final shots of that film uh, I guess spoilers for The World's End and stuff here, we're getting into it, but how he's, like, refuses to grow up and just wants to go around with his friends <laughs> killing aliens and they're all alien versions or whatever of his friends. And Didn't
0: that get so preachy at the end?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't love it just because I suppose the characters didn't really gel for me. And I guess Simon Pegg, I prefer him in... Um, you know, the Sean of the Dead Roll is the everyman, or in Hot Fuzz, he was funny because he was so the best cop yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in The World's End, he's kind of just a dickhead. Well, and I,
0: I saw The World's End in the best possible way. I didn't know anything about the twist. So. Mm. Um, I was watching it going, okay, this is a really great coming of age movie. That's why I said, oh, Edgar Wright's really maturing. And then, <laughs> then these kids turn out to be robots. I'm like, what, what's going on here? And I actually went with the twist. I go, this is fantastic. But it just went on for too long. Edgar Wright has a problem with length. I don't know if he needs a producer behind him just to savagely cut his films down. But it just, yeah, like you said, it went on for too long. And that whole ending, uh, I really didn't go with it. I lost me but i love that i loved world's end until to a certain point with baby driver I actually liked how long the film was. Like, I liked it, how he serves his time in prison and then comes out. And that's kind of up in the air. Does he come out of prison and meet the girl of his dreams or is that all inside his head? Me, personally, I'm always the that ambiguity person. I always, I'm always, i the guy who believes um, Batman, Bruce Wayne, didn't actually see Alfred at the end of The Dark Knight Rises. But that's just me. I'm sure he probably <laughs> did to a lot of people. <laughs> I'm a very pessimistic sort of guy when it comes to these sort of movies. But I actually really enjoy... Enjoyed um, Baby Driver. He has so much maturity um, in this film and I love it how he does serve the time and everyone gets to speak their part how good of a character uh, Baby is. <laughs> I was actually going to say the actor's name then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how good Baby is as a person. And one of the per- people in who plays a cameo in that scene is Walter Hill who's obviously a huge, huge influence in Baby Driver. He did a movie called The Driver, I think. 1978, maybe? That's exactly right. That's actually one of my favourite action films. He did Streets of Fire, um, The Street Fighter, and um, The Driver. Yep. Um, Yeah, fantastic action movies. I think he's one of the greatest action filmmakers of all time. So that was great to see that reference and actually put him in the movie.
1: One of my favourite lines of Baby Driver was when Griff said, if I don't see you guys, I'm dead, (laughs) because I'm dead. (laughs) And then you never see him again, and you're just like, oh, I guess he died. Yeah,
0: I guess he's gone.
1: (laughs) But the one the audience laughed the hardest for um, was the tattoo that said hate, that uh, one of the crew guys had changed to say hat. And he said, how's that working out for you? Which was the Fight Club line. Then he said, who doesn't like hats? Or who doesn't love hats? (laughs) For some reason, the audience lost their shit laughing at that.
0: I couldn't stop laughing at the Mike Myers part. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. But uh, I didn't see it with too many people, so I was the only one reacting at that scene.
1: Uh, Just to finish up our talk of his other work, um, I really like Scott Pilgrim. Uh, I think Michael Cera maybe lets it down here and there, but I think the tone of the film is really good. I really like the seven evil exes. I like the fact that they're collecting coins. I like that he has to get a life. I like the Seinfeld scene where the Seinfeld music's playing. Uh, I like how referential it is. Um, I like a lot of the actors in it. I like seeing Brandon Routh and uh, Chris Evans in those minor roles and Ramona flowers. And really I've rewatched it a few times and it's, uh, it's a cult film for a reason but
0: I, I can only watch it for 20 minutes and certain action scenes like I love the <laughs> style I just hate it how there's seven boyfriends he has to fight and it goes on forever and Michael Sarah he's such an awful character in the movie he's just a not a likable person at all like I wasn't and the movie wants us to root for for <laughs> root for, for, for two hours against seven boyfriends I, I just couldn't go with it but the style Edgar Wrights pull, pulls off in that movie is outstanding. That was such a huge failure. I don't think he really recovered. Like, that should have been the movie that made his mark on America, um, on the American audiences, and that movie failed so bad. I I think he hasn't recovered till now, Baby Driver. I think Ant-Man was going to be, like, his next big push, but um, that fizzled. But I think he did wonders with uh, Baby Driver.
1: Um, I'll correct you with one thing. There was one female ex in the seven evil exes, but other than that, yeah. Yeah. people can let us know uh, on our Facebook page you know what's your favourite Edgar Wright film let's put that out there
0: what's your favourite Edgar Wright film Dave?
1: I mean Shaun of the Dead has a special place
0: yeah I'm I'm going Um, Shaun of the Dead and Baby Driver but Shaun of the Dead
1: yeah I mean I I really like Scott Pilgrim though Um, and now I think after a second viewing of Baby Driver I might be in a position to say Baby Driver just because I really liked it
0: well you can't have Scott Pilgrim after what I said so that's (laughs) (laughs) it
1: Well, maybe Shaun of the Dead, maybe Baby Driver, but I, I still hold um, high regard uh, no, for... No, I, I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> well, just the shots in the laundromat where every single dryer and washer was going and they had different coloured tops and everything, that was the most La La Land moment for me. Um, The most choreographed kind of let's dance around, let's sing and, you know... I <laughs> thought the,
0: the opening was for me when he gets the coffee.
1: Uh, I mean that felt like almost a extended title sequence you know written by directed by oh that's if- a good point yeah you Know because it's right at the beginning of the film, uh, you can kind of excuse it, but um,
0: yeah, well, this film was originally supposed to be set in Los Angeles, but because of the tax breaks, he shot it in Atlanta. And uh, you're gonna see a lot of movies, um, because of these recent tax breaks come um, being located in Atlanta, so it would have been even more La La Land esque had it been <laughs> set where it originally was, um, going to be, um, set in. Um, but it's just by just fortunate, um, that it was shot in Atlanta, and it's great too because. Baby Driver, as far as I'm concerned, preceded La La Land by a long time, only because Edgar Wright had it in his head for 10 years.
1: (laughs) I really like that music is coming into film in this way, though. I mean, I like La La Land. I like this. It's not exactly a musical in the traditional sense. We're not watching Mary Poppins' Sound of Music, you know, where they break into song. But just the songs all play like a part in the film, though. They're like another character. It's like lighting. So I really like the way people are really thinking about soundtracks and Guardians of the Galaxy is another one.
0: Yeah, they're both uh, interesting, you should say, ga- Guardians of the Galaxy because Guardians of the Galaxy uses like a 70s soundtrack and they, I don't know, it's kind of, seems kind of retro to have it in this futuristic world and it's got the 70s soundtrack playing but it's got a very good inbuilt narrative excuse for that because yeah. that was the playlist that the mother left over and I feel they did get away with it very well in Baby Driver because these songs are the songs that are left over in these iPods so it's this very eclectic <laughs> I finally get to use that word in a sentence. I don't know if I'm using it correctly. but um, <laughs> Eclectic? Eclectic. Um, a group of songs in this movie. Like, it's, yeah, very, very interesting the way it's used.
1: So, for me, my favourite character in the film was John Hamm as the villain. I think probably he related a lot to the visceral experience I had.
0: What did you think of The Waitress? I think...
1: She was fine, but I feel like she was interchangeable. Like, another actress probably could have done just as good a job.
0: Yeah. I I don't
1: know that there was enough to her character.
0: Well, there was a line in it who she actually says, I'm here for you when you're ready. Oh, gosh. (laughs) It's, It's that bad. And I think, though, he gets away with the waitress waiting to be saved because this is such a mechanic of this crime genre. You always get like these classic 1940s films, uh, which I think Baby Driver draws a lot from, is that we do have a waitress that needs to be saved sort of thing. And I, I want to give one example, Thief by Michael Mann. Uh, maybe that's going a bit too uh, a hardcore direction, but because the waitress is underwritten and she, it does seem like she forgives... A baby for a lot of things, and she's still hanging around him despite all the dangers. But I think just with the mechanics of the crime genre that Baby Driver is working in, I think it works, and you forgive it, and you tend to go with it. Like you said, with the climactic moment of this movie, you, you tend—if you don't go with it, it's going to seem ridiculous. If you do, you're going to have a fun time.
1: I like a baby, Ansel Elgort's character, but. Um, I had no association with him. He's been in the Fault of Us, in Our Stars, and and other stuff that I just didn't had never seen.
0: Did you hear he tried out for Young Han Solo?
1: Yeah, I remember he was shortlisted. I remember seeing the name. Yeah, and
0: it, everyone's saying he looks like Han Solo, like he's dressed like him all throughout this movie, <laughs>
1: putting on little vests.
0: <laughs> what do you what do you think of him in the film?
1: Yeah, look, I'm glad I have this association with yeah. him now. Um, I think it was a really good role, like as a first role I've seen him in. Like, and now maybe I'll watch Fault in Our Stars and have like a renewed kind of respect going in because I have never seen that film. So, um, but I love that they got a couple of Oscar winners here. It was good to see Kevin Spacey share the screen with Jamie Foxx.
0: Ja- Jamie Foxx was excellent. I thought he stole the show in this movie. He, he when the moment he comes on, he is the absolute agent of chaos. You know, you just have no idea what he's going to do next. And I love that you almost see this. Confrontation building between Buddy and John Hamm and um, his girlfriend Darling between the two and um, Jamie Fox. You just see this confrontation that's bu- a confrontation that's bubbling and it never actually happens. But Jamie Fox just seems like something. It seems so terrifying the fact that they just you know park in a, a service station and you assume he just shot the person working behind the counter and he he has all this chewing gum and you have to believe. The mechanics of this world that cops just aren't going to show up, you know, (laughs) that's Mm. never going to be referenced what he did behind those scenes. I mean, he got all that gum. That's all we know. <laughs> but my the the funny one of the funniest parts in this movie for me was when they're scouting the post office and Baby walks in there with the kid and the yeah. kid is as switched on as Baby, if not more so. And I, I thought that was fantastic. And he's always playing the game and he's always trying to help out Baby, like he's going oh and then, and he's holding up a, a four hands like over his um I guess it's a Nintendo Switch he's holding or a Nintendo DS and he's like oh and four cameras you know uh, that that was absolutely sublime mm,
1: that kid was a smart one for me the other thing i would change about this film i mean i love the detail like i said i love the his and her tattoos on john Hamm and uh, on buddy and darling i did enjoy that sequence with that kid it did feel a little for comedy effect because we never see him again and it's not doc's kid it's his nephew so oh sorry
0: he, yeah i've been saying his uh, kid
1: Oh, no, you're right. It's. I think they didn't make it his kid because then they can kill off Doc and it's less sad that he <laughs> didn't become an orphan. At the end, when they're driving off together, I almost felt like they could have just driven off together. I don't know that we needed all the 25 years and the court stuff like as a narrative it's sort of fine if they just drive into the sunset
0: yeah that's a good point normally I'd agree with you there for some reason I really liked it how the film took time out to show the mechanics that hey he served his time you know they wanted to emphasise he's a good guy he, ser- he did stuff wrong but he served his time and now he's out and he can have this beautiful girl waiting right for him you know it was <laughs> like they had to make those ABC points
1: yeah, I think we know he's a good guy through the film so yeah that's to- a good point <laughs> you don't have to convince us but as well there's like that Shawshank ending if you will where they kind of meet on the beach and they kind of get away from all their trouble and the trouble's still back there and that leaves room for the sequel if you left Kevin Spacey's character alive and he just kind of gave them his blessing then you could have him come back and go I need you for this thing in the sequel you kind of kill everybody off basically for this one and then You'd, there's this tacked on thing where he goes to prison and I don't think it was absolutely necessary but I suppose otherwise it would be like crime pays um, which isn't the message you know they want to really send yeah so it was fine but I did feel like that was the longest part of the film because at that stage I was content for them to drive off into the sunset and when he stops on the bridge and throws the keys and says you know she's too good for this life and everything beyond that it was because of that Dolly Parton song, maybe the quote they put in where you can't have the rainbow without the rain, yeah, and that's why they have that shot of the rainbow at the end when he's getting out of prison and she's waiting for him.
0: Was it raining during the climactic moment with John Hill?
1: It, it wasn't, <laughs> but I mean the the rain is everything bad that's happening, it's all the negatives
0: yeah i I'm, I'm, I just want to reiterate, I'm just so impressed with how well baby driver is going because I really just after coming out of the movie, I just thought, man, poor Edgar Wright, people are going to hate this movie, you know. The poor guy can't get a break, he's had Ant-Man and now this is going to be a disaster, but I really enjoyed it and this is because the mixture of ultra-violence mainly embodied with Jamie Foxx's character and how chaotic he is and how violent all his actions were and then, of course, the La La Land-esque dancing sort of sequences um I I just thought would polarize audiences completely but I'm really happy to see Edgar Wright get a you know a massive hit on his hands that's fantastic
1: 100% and I loved the editing of this film I loved the way the soundtrack complemented the visuals and uh, the red lighting on John Hamm in the car and the cop car and the final sequences I loved that as well Um and like I said this had a visceral kind of uh, effect on me and I went with the pacing of the film And I think it really, really worked. I was very impressed as well. A real triumph for Edgar Wright, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, I wish he would just tighten up the climactic scene a little bit. Um, like you said, Dave, you really have to go with it. But did you find John Ham just kept coming back? Like uh, he hits him, he comes back. You know, the cars disappeared. Where'd he go? You know, now Baby's disappeared. We're on John Ham. I think they could have just cut that down a lot more and just have it. You know, they engage in a little fight, and Baby Baby wins in the end. He dies. John Ham dies.
1: Yeah, I think it could have been tighter in retrospect. But like I said, a second viewing will really. Decide yeah. that for me i heard a nice compliment that edgar wright mentioned he said somebody told him that all these characters are in the same movie which i think is true you know no one's overacting everyone's got the tone of their characters it all feels like the same world and um i think you know his direction's got a lot to do with it and whether you liked his other stuff or not this kind of stands alone um i think this is one of the better films we've reviewed this year
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I I think Edgar Wright's is going to get better and better.
1: (laughs) And we'll have to shortlist him as one of those directors whose projects we always watch on Podme if you can, which leads me into next week's episode, which will be Christopher Nolan's latest work, Dunkirk. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see this in IMAX, so we'll be talking about that uh, on the next podcast. But uh, in the meantime, you guys can check out our YouTube channel, which uh, is youtube.com slash podme if you can, or you can find all the links to Facebook and everything at podme if you can.com. On our YouTube channel, uh, we do a lot of video reviews, um, basically of these old films that um, they have someone famous in them, but the film itself is very obscure. I've recently watched an Eric Roberts film. I've done a Michael Caine review that's going to come out shortly. We're always finding these DVDs that, um, you look at it and you go, oh, whoa, Brad Pitt, what's he doing in this film? And then you watch it and you're like, Brad Pitt was in five minutes of that film. <laughs> or, uh, you know, there's a reason nobody's heard of this garbage. It's, you know, obviously they're, they're very interesting films to get into. And, uh, I'd thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed watching them and basically cutting down to five or six minutes, everything that's right and wrong about this and giving you a decent review of the film. So, uh, did check you, out do do I, you
0: really enjoy watching the films, Dave?
1: <laughs> you know, I laugh I laugh very hard in some of these and uh, find joy in, um, in a lot of the films. I watched a really good one recently. I don't want to spoil what it was, but um, everything until the last sort of five minutes of it was really good. Uh, I can't believe some of them have never been heard of, but then there's obviously a massive portion of them that you're like, how did this even get made? people can check those out and make up their own minds um some of them have been really popular which has been great and we really appreciate all the likes and listens and um until next time uh, we'll be watching dunkirk we'll get you to check that out as well and we'll talk to you next week
0: hit it For listening, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. podmeifyoucan if you can. Movie reviews.